You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, good evening. Welcome back to the Claret Blue podcast. I'm your host for this evening's show, Dan Rowlandson, joined by John Townley. Matt Kendrick was at Old Trafford tonight, so he's unavailable. I think it was his son's first ever away game, so commiserations to Matt's son. And obviously Ash is, uh, is at Old Trafford as well, working and hopefully speaking to you know, Emery soon about, about tonight's game. So John, thank you first of all for, for joining me. Um, have you got over the, the bitterness and the anger and, and the, the the disappointment that you felt five or ten minutes ago before we started, or are you still pretty pretty miffed? No, I'm still mad. Yeah, mm. I think it will last for a few days. Uh, honestly, I'm just annoyed. Like it just happens too often with Villa, and expect you know what it was. It's because we went ahead twice as well at Old Trafford. You have to be seeing that game out, and the way that we've mm. thrown it away, I'm just fuming. Yeah, <laughs> just seething with it. I'm mad. Yeah. Lloyd. I'm I'm being too much of a fan, and I'm supposed to be working on my shift. But it's how you feel, isn't it? We've we've yeah we've we've thrown it away. So well, yeah. we always say with these post match shows, this isn't kind of the midweek podcast where we've had three or four days to reflect. It's it's the post match debrief. It's always meant to be kind of not purposefully or fake, raw or emotion. We're not coming on here to rant and rave for, for the sake of, of views or anything like that. It's how you feel ten minutes after full time. Um, I will say, obviously, we did the O'Neill shoot yesterday, which we'll talk about in a bit, and I haven't got all my proper stuff with me. And I've got a light here that's just resting on my desk up, up against a plant pot, and just before we started, a, 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 a pot of pens fell on the floor. But I think that, that light is probably more stable than, than Villa's defence at some point, and, and Robin Olsen as well. And we'll talk about Olsen in a second specifically, but my God, that was poor for, for, some, for some of that game. But we'll start, as we always do, with these kind of shows and, and talk about team news first, because, I mean, we're team news begins the, the whole game kind of stems from there really the, all, all the talking points so there's changes which is, is to be expected seven changes probably not quite as many changes as i would make i tweeted before and we've talked a lot about kind of reactions to team news and i always think well let's just wait and see at full time first because sometimes you can see a poor team play well or a good team on paper play poorly so i'll, I'll save my reservations till the end but i didn't think we'd change that many i thought we'd go a little bit stronger Changing your cup is uh, changing your goalkeeper in the cup is pretty commonplace. So I'm not, in hindsight, yes, Martinez absolutely should have played, and I, I would have played Martinez as well. But I'm not that bothered about that because you you do change a goalkeeper. But changing was it the whole back four? Pretty much the whole back four. The concert played in the in the league as well. So changing three of the back four, I, I wouldn't have gone gone that many changes to be honest. McGinn coming back in and being captain. Um, yeah, my initial thoughts was not too sure about that, but I'll see. What did you think at seven o'clock? Um, I, I'll be honest. I didn't have much of a, an opinion because I'm very, I'm very much in the camp of it's Unai Emery's team, and this guy knows what he's doing. So I'm, I can't really say much about it. But the only thing that I would say is the goalkeeper. I'm very much the type of person who is you play your best goalkeeper to win that match. Goalkeepers they don't need to be rested. Let's be mm. honest. I mean, you does anyone rest- need to be rested? The season ends on on yeah. Sunday for, for six weeks. I think it was more him looking at players because you can't look at players just in training. You need to look at Callum Chambers in a game. You need to be looking at uh, other players in games. And, you know, Kamara's just come back. So that's one change, but that probably makes us a better team. You mm. need to be looking at players like McGinn. And you, so I, I'm not, I don't think the changes necessarily outfield were a bad thing. And actually, when Wendy and Bailey came on, we looked brighter going forward. And we should, that should be winning the game because we should then be defensively secure. So I'd argue that Bailey coming off the bench is, um, was a good, uh, you know, tactic or whatever, maybe should have started. But coming off the bench, we, you know, as I say, I think we'd be better going forward. Um, but defensively, we obviously shot ourselves in the foot three times. 
But I, I'm more annoyed about the goalkeeper situation and I'm not blaming Emery because I think when he won his Europa League was severe. He always played the keeper, the, 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 the second keeper. I think one in the 2016-17 final, I think he used the keeper. Uh, he didn't play a single league game. So I'm not surprised that Olsen's played. I'm more frustrated that, I don't know, it's just the way we've thrown it away. But in terms of selection, I wasn't, no, I'm not, not particularly surprised. Seven changes, but I'd say one of them was Kamara coming back in because uh, Dendonka couldn't play. So it's mm -hmm. what five outfield changes, really, because the keeper's going to be changed too. So no, I wasn't particularly surprised. But in the way that we've folded, I don't think uh, many of those players have done much for Emery, have they? He's obviously learned a lot from that. Well, one of the questions later on is what will he, what will Emery have learned from tonight? Because you know, the common phrase is that you learn more from a, a defeat than you do from a win because you actually get to see things that have gone wrong and fix them, which I kind of agree with to, to a certain extent. But I've heard a lot of talk from Emery about being a, a cup specialist and wanting to win a trophy with Aston Villa. And Villa got realistically two, two pretty poor chances of winning a trophy every season just by definition that they're in two from the start in the League Cup and the FA Cup. And just because we win them doesn't mean we're going to go any further than the first round most years. We're never going to, well, so we're never going to win the Premier League. It's unlikely we're going to win the Premier League. Our best route to a trophy is the FA Cup and the League Cup. The extra frustrating thing about tonight is the League Cup, the teams remaining uh, yeah. are pretty favourable to Man City, Liverpool and now Man United as the big teams left. If we'd have beat Man United tonight, there's a chance we go far in this competition and potentially that's a, that's a route to silverware. That's a bit of a kick in the teeth, to be honest. Yes. I was also kind of thinking about this podcast that uh, at some point during this, I'm going to have to make a graphic for the fourth round draw, potentially. I mean, that doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what, what happens in the fourth round draw now. Um, so that's frustrating. Um, but yeah, like I said, all this talk about Emery being a cup, cup specialist and wanting to win a trophy, I thought we'd play our strongest eleven. We just beat the same opponent on Sunday. I'm not saying you play exactly the same same yeah. eleven because I, I know there will be changes. But if it was me, manager, and this is why I'm not a manager, I'd play, you play your best eleven to to try and do do United twice in a week, and maybe we're being naive. Maybe we're never going to beat Man United twice in a week because that's not an Aston Villa thing to do. But I feel like if Emmy Martinez plays tonight, we win that game. I think it is as simple as that. I can't really argue. Um, I think if Martinez plays, we don't concede three goals. Uh, put it that Four way. Goals. Oh, yeah, true. I'd far left after then, but uh, I don't know. It's really difficult. I, I mean, as I say, we were, we were, we were winning, uh, score the first goal and then score the third goal to make it 2 1. We need to be seeing that, seeing that game out. So I don't think all the changes can be highlighted as a bad thing because I, I actually thought a few comments I said as well. We actually have a few positives to take from it, which mm -hmm. when you can see four goals to United and you lose, there shouldn't be many positives, but I feel like there are. There's just a lot of negatives when it comes to how we were defensively. We were shambolic at times. And yes, part of that is Olsen. But also, I don't think Callum Chambers played very well. I no. thought there was times where uh, Augustinson got caught out for their first goal, especially. Really poor. You know, that really... I don't know where, where where he's lost. Was it Fernandez or whoever's made the run over his shoulder? Ball watching, I think. It's just really poor. Substandard defending. So for all the changes that we made, I don't think we'd be talking about them if we won the game. If anything, it would be, oh, yeah, now he knows he's got a good squad. But it's the defensive areas that really let us down. And yeah, partly Olsen, partly Augustinson, partly Chambers. It's yeah a bad night in terms of areas. And that's where the frustration comes because... I know that in a few days I will be a bit more positive coming into Brighton because we have competed against United, a team that has spent a billion pounds over mm. the last few years. They are a better team. And while they didn't play their strongest team tonight, 
they are superior. We can't get around that. And yeah, we beat them at the weekend, but that was a team that was would have wanted to beat us badly and seek revenge. And we should have we should have won, really, apart from those mistakes that we've you know we say we've gifted the goals. It's really frustrating, and that's where the angst coming from. But again, there are a few positives to take from it. It's not it's not all doom and gloom. Just really frustrating how we've mm. thrown it away. Yeah, we'll talk about some of those positives in, in, in a sec because we don't want it to be too doom and gloom. Although it does feel <laughs> that's the way this is headed, to, to be honest. Um, it's just the shooting ourselves in the foot thing. We, we talked a little bit about mentality after the uh, Emery's first game against Man United on Sunday, saying you know, kind of getting to half time and having that sucker punch of the of conceding the goal, us coming out and being strong, getting a shot on target straight away, and then obviously Ramsey scoring three or four minutes into the half. And almost like not that Emery had fixed our mentality problems in in three or four days, but like that was a villa that we'd not been used to seeing. It's yeah. today again. The same things happened again. I tweeted it during the game about our record of conceding goals straight after we scored. Um, the stat I put was that Villa have conceded a goal within three minutes of scoring themselves on four different occasions already this season. So against Everton, Buendia scored 86th minute, and Dean scored an own goal in 87. Obviously, we won that game two one, but we did our best to try and throw it away. Uh, against Palace, we go ahead early through Watkins after five minutes, and then Zahar equalises after seven. Arsenal, Louise scores directly from a corner, I think, 74 minutes. Martinelli uh, gets gets an Arsenal goal on 77. And then obviously tonight, Man United, Watkins scores a lovely finish, which is one of the positives. 48 minutes, and Martial scores on the 49th minute is what it goes down as, but 19 seconds after the restart between the goals. Um, so in terms of mentality, yes, <laughs> Emery's not fixed it all in a week or so. But the side that we saw play at Villa Park on Sunday come out and be confident, and obviously they were leading at the time, but to kind of put the game to Man United in the second half and say, no, we are in control here. That's not the Villa that we saw today. And we'll talk about the kind of the system and the setup in a sec. But the second half, they're shooting ourselves in the foot and scoring and getting ahead twice and then conceding within 19 seconds. And then the third and the second goal was five or six minutes or something like that. Yeah. I don't know how Emery fixes that. And I don't think it's a quick fix. I don't think that changes anytime soon. No, I presume that changes with personnel because yeah. as you just said that's happened all season. We're no strange to this with this Villa team either. It's personnel, isn't it? It's experience in the dressing room. It's players that he wants to bring in that's going to make us better. And again, I don't want to be talking too negative because I do think we have competed well, but the underlining we've lost 4 2 in a game that we probably should have won. And that's just not good enough for a team that's trying to get in and around Europe. We're going nowhere near that if that's the sort of mentality that we have throughout the squad. Um, as I say, that will change. We have we have got leaders in the team, but we need we need different characters clearly because it's not on conceding those goals that we've conceded tonight. And it's uh, it, it is it I think it's a mix between the quality of players that we have from a defensive point of view, um, but again also mentality because we we've proven we can keep keep clean sheets this season. Like under Gerard, we went back to basics and we didn't look like we'd be conceding. It was just horrendous going forward. Yeah. Now with again tonight today we look bright and that's fair in the first half I think we kept them at bay United. Uh, the pundits half time were saying it's a really boring game and they've done what happened. But from our perspective, that was a good game plan. We were really tight, played four across the midfield, that we left no spaces. And when we got the ball, we didn't really do much within the first half. But in the second half, the first uh, chance we had, Watkins takes it. And from there, you have to be tight, you have to be secure. And we concede straight away mm. through a lapse of concentration from Augustinson. Then also makes a couple of mistakes later in the game. It's individual mistakes that have cost us the game, yes. But also the way that United have attacked us and you know, we weren't as tight as what we were in the first half in the second after we scored. It's probably a mentality thing, quality as well, yes, but 
yeah, he's he's got a lot to do, Emery, and that's not going to happen overnight. But I'm at least I've got a bit of a crumb of, crumb of comfort that we've say we've competed. We haven't gone to Old Trafford and folded um, mm. in terms of you know. Yeah, we did after sixty minutes. Don't get me wrong, but we've, <laughs> scored, the goal, we've scored the third goal as I say to make it two-one. From there, you have to be seeing the game out, and we haven't. At least take the penalties. Exactly, and that's what I said. Yeah, it's what we were saying. Seventy-five minutes, wasn't it? We were probably thinking our penalty kick takers, and he brings mm. young off. Um, yeah. Little do we know, we you know, there's two more goals in the game, and then we lose four-two. But yeah, just bitterly disappointing the way the, the fashion that it happened, the manner in which we lost the game. But again, you can take a probably you know a few positives and how we how we how we took the game to them in, in stages and how we looked off the ball. I thought for Jacob Ramsey was excellent again. I thought Kamara was really good. He was the best player on the pitch for me up until 60, 70 minutes, and he'd probably get a bit tired. He looked a bit fatigued. Um but no, head of Thursday. We just gotta take that as a singular game. Let's try and at least get a point in the board out of that because Brighton and no mugs mm. um and play and play well because we need it. I think tonight we, those players will be hurting, but it's just fans, man. It's just, it's happened again, hasn't it? <laughs> I mean, we'll soon kind of got over. I mean, obviously everyone wants to win a trophy. Everyone wants to go as far as they can in the cup competitions, but win again on Sunday and it's back-to-back wins in the Premier League. That will lift a lot of spirits and uh, yeah, yeah. getting as far up as, in the league table as we can, as soon as we can. It, it's definitely the priority, as much yeah. as a cup run is exciting. I and mean, there's still the FA Cup, as long as we don't get Man United in the third round. There's still the FA Cup, everyone, let's not forget. Um, in terms of the game plan, I agree, yeah, boring first half. What the pundits were saying, I kind of found myself, obviously I was working as well, but found myself you know, doing other things, quick glance up at the game. Yeah, not a lot happening, back to something else. Um, but I understood that. Uh, I tweeted it, tweeted it the same, saying it's almost justified that get to half-time. If it's still nil-nil and you're still in the tie, you're 45 minutes away from, from penalties, it's a bit of a gamble, but you know, kind of take that. It's, it's a difficult place to go. We've beaten yeah. once already, but it's a different game plan. It's a different game. I understand that. Um, so I wasn't I wasn't against the first half. I understood what was happening. Obviously, we come out in the second and score as well. And you think, okay, well, yeah, justified, like keeping the game, reset at half time. And we talked about, or me and Matt talked about that that masterclass video that, that Emery did with the coach's voice and the Europa League final severe Liverpool. And in that, it was about the mentality shift at, at half-time, getting into half-time and, and talking to the players and saying, right, now we take the game to them. And might be some people say it's a, a negative kind of approach to the game to go, oh, let's just write off the first half and try in the second. But frustrating the crowd, having it, you know, there was no threat from United in the first half. We kind of shut them down well. So I kind of understand getting to half-time, no, no, it is a, is a pretty decent result if you go on and follow through in the second half and go, go on to win the game and get through the tie. And like you said, going ahead twice, we should see it out at least to a penalty shootout and have that gamble at the end but to go ahead twice away at Old Trafford in the second half and then eventually lose the game 4-2 is is bitterly dis- disappointing you know 30 minutes after full time but you know like I just said if we beat Brighton on Sunday then have a six week period to reset and go again in, in January I think tonight's game will be pretty much forgotten about I think yeah forgotten about in terms of how it happened obviously yeah Still frustrating, of course. Yeah, because we want to win. Getting sick and tired now. Every year we're not winning something. We need to start winning something, and that's how. That's what we want. Emery wants it as well, obviously. And so we got the FA Cup still, which is say is almost like a comfort. But yeah, it's the man of it tonight. It's just that's what's so bitter. It's the fact that we've just thrown it away. Mm. We've, We've we've done it before, and it's United. We always get United in the cup, and here we are again. So it's a familiar feeling, but one that you just you know. You want like a, a new villa, and this is um this is back to where we were, but it's not something that 
he's going to be here for uh, hopefully. So we've got a class manager and we have a, a team that can beat United 3-1 at home. Away form is probably something that we're looking at and thinking... Yeah, what, poor still. That's probably goes into your mentality argument as well. Mm. We haven't got away from home this year, have we? No. Nope. So, apart from Bolton, we can't class that. Um, so yeah, Brighton's a big game coming up. We need to be getting a point out of that and playing a good brand of football. And you say then 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 we got a big break and some games after the decent fixtures after the break. But yeah, tonight just really frustrating. Mm. Um, we are so. we are going to come on to positives in, in a sec because this is going to be a short podcast news anyway. Let's just get the Rob Nolson discussion out of the way first of all. Just in a, a tweet from Paddy Power, who are notorious for a banter tweet or whatever you want to call it, they said something about. Um, uh, I know the League Cup's not as good as it used to be, but it's disrespectful of Villa to put a cup uh, competition winner in goal tonight. Uh, meaning Robin Olsen's performance was that bad. Um, yeah, let's just have your verdict on Robin Olsen. It's, I think that's his 11th goal he's conceded in four games, a three games, sorry. Um, Brentford, is it Brentford? Newcastle, Brentford? Oh, I don't know, I'm all over the place. Uh, Man City on the last day and then obviously tonight. Um, yep. Yeah, what's your verdict on Robin Olsen for me? Um, yeah, to be honest, in those games it was difficult, wasn't it? Because Newcastle were a good team, Man City were a good team. But yeah, it just it, it, it's the one mistake for me today that, that just cost us the game. He had that little shaky one in the first half, didn't he? When the ball came over, and he probably should have come out for it, something that Martinez would do. Hmm. And he, he didn't claim it. I think he was waiting for a header, but that's just nerves. Um, but yeah, it, it's the pass. It, it's just really poor. It's not only a goalkeeper mistake, is it? It's a pass that's five yards. Really bad all game. Probably shouldn't even be passing it to Kamara. He should probably just be going long, clear, clear lines, you know. We're 15 minutes away from a penalty shootout and let's try and win the game anyway. But no, um, it's cost us the game and he'll know it. Like, it's not much point in bashing him. Obviously, he knows it. My point is just, Emmy Martinez is the best goalkeeper that we have at the club. Why are we not playing him? Especially in a cup tie where it goes to penalties straight away. I would have brought Martinez on for the penalties. I don't know if that was the point. Mm, but um, yeah, I, from my perspective, it's you always should play your best keeper because what, you know you're weakening yourself for what gain to make Olsen yeah. feel better about himself. I'm not sure that's his professional football. There's no reason why we can't say to him, you're my second goalkeeper. You'll play if Martinez is injured. But apart from that, I'm going to play my best keeper, as you would with yeah. your best midfielder, your best striker. The only reason why you don't play your best team in some cup, some cup, cup competitions is for fitness and you know to see what a player does, which I can understand in Emery's perspective tonight. He's playing McGinn, playing other players, because it's, um, it's only been through the door, what, two weeks ago? Or a week ago now, but you know Martinez is your best keeper. Play him. Um, it's not also, me. You're talking about like changing changing the goalkeeper for the cup, and it's like a cup keeper. If we get to the final, Martinez plays anyway. I don't know if he would. Emery he? always play, he always plays his second keeper, even Europa League final. So oh, if we got to the final, I'd want Martinez in there for sure. I want Martinez in the first round because you have to play yeah. your best keeper. It, it's, it's your first, it's your first line of any. So I don't know. Really frustrating. Do you think, but, did you think it was uh, maybe? Uh, because we were trying to play the same way that we did to a certain yeah. extent in the league game against United, trying to play out from the back and stuff like that. And that doesn't suit Robin Olsen's game anyway. The distribution yeah. all night was poor, I thought, never mind the, the mistake that led to the goal. Was it a mistake to try and play the same way with a, with a goalkeeper and a back four that haven't probably played together at all ever? Obviously, apart from in training, but in a game, that back four has probably never been assembled before. So to play the, try and play the same way with a, a side that hasn't played together, is that a bit of a mistake? Is that a bit of naivety? Or is it that consistency that Emery wants to go, right, well, I've changed the side, we're still going to play the same way? I think you have to be consistent, don't you? I, I, 
was it the first goal, I think, come from his plan throughout the back as well? So, and up until then, there was no mistake. If Olsen doesn't do that pass, there's, no, you know, we had a couple mm. of shaky moments, don't get me wrong. Um, but we know those players aren't brilliant on the ball. So it's difficult to, can you change your team and say, right, we're going to play long today and we lose the game two or three nil. And then we're coming out saying, right, that was bad. You know, Brighton, we need a performance. So I'm coming out of it thinking, oh, at least we've stuck to the identity. We've played well for the majority. In the last 20 minutes, it was a bit of a shambles. But that's because of individual mistakes that in any other league game we shouldn't be making because we know we have a top goalkeeper mm. um, and we have Diego Carlos coming back. So it, there's positives. I'm trying to look for positives. I am. But tonight, yeah, again, he knows he's made the mistake. And it's a shame because second keepers, they need the opportunities, don't they? And once you got them, you just got to be a safe pair of hands. And yeah, he's... He's cost us the game, really. It's, it's not just him. As I say, I think Augustinson had, had, had a poor mistake in him uh, for their first goal. And Chambers, I don't think, took his opportunity very well either. Huh. Which I, said, I was surprised at that because I thought he'd um, I thought he'd be more secure than what he was today. There's been a few comments like this podcast saying that we've been doing gloom merchants, stupidly negative, we'll be we'll be out in, in a couple of months. That's not the case whatsoever. Okay. It's it's the frustrations of of losing right. a game in, in that manner 30 minutes after yeah. full time. Like I understand the bigger picture is not about tonight and we will be better That's on true. Sunday and we'll be better in six months' time. Yeah. We're just talking about tonight in isolation. I understand yes. the bigger picture. Um, so yeah. let's talk about some it's, positives. So with Hella fans, we've been here before and it's frustrating because it's, it's just it's annoying. And every yeah. fan feels it, but there's, there's so many games over the last couple of years where we've had that feeling of we should be winning this game and we have thrown it away. We haven't just lost 2-0 and we've played okay, but they've been better. We were better than Man United tonight. We were better at Old Trafford. We had a chance to win two in a row against United. We've probably never done that. Yeah. And we've run away because our second keepers, you know, again, it's not just that, but that's the tipping point in this game. Um, yeah. And we, should have, we should have beat them in the, in the Cup last year. It was the same kind of thing then. We came away from that yeah. game thinking, oh my God, another missed opportunity. We could have won yeah. tonight. We could have finally got got through United in a cup fixture yeah. and gone into the next round. Like As much as it's the frustration, I'm, I just said the bigger picture is different. We're still out of the League Cup in, in not the first round we're into it, but you know, the, the first proper test we've had in the League Cup, we're out in in the third round. Like that, that's yeah. frustrating. That's annoying. You know, we can get past Barrow and Bolton, but as soon as you play somebody bigger, we fold again, and, and that's annoying. That's why I'm, that's why I'm yeah. peed off. And as you mentioned, Dan, this this feels like of all cups of any time, this is the one because half yeah. the Premier teams are out. It's uh, the World Cup. I was so Spurs last night, and I'm thinking, every, oh, why can't we yeah. do something like that? And every top team, I say top team, it's what Newcastle, Man City. I, those are the only two top teams in my opinion Liverpool. left. Yeah, and Liverpool are Liverpool at the moment. But all of them have, apart from Newcastle, all of them will have Europe the next week. But if you yeah. get a decent draw as well, you not you might not see one of those till the final. Yeah, exactly. This is not the competition that they care about. They don't care. Yeah. They genuinely don't. If they got knocked out, they don't mind. But we're here. We're begging for a trophy, and this this was the perfect opportunity. And who would he get first? Is Man United? But we should we should have still beat them, and we didn't. That's why it's so frustrating. And yeah, it's just hard because you don't want to hit individuals or bash the team performance. Um, but we've got to do a podcast. So what, yeah. what do you want us to do? Um, just on the draw quickly, it's Man City v Liverpool in the next round. So that's another big team out out in the next round. So just to pile on a bit of misery there for you, John. Uh, Newcastle, we've got Bournemouth. So I expect Newcastle there. Southampton, Lincoln City. I think uh, Newcastle. You reckon? Yeah, because... It's- they haven't won a cup for what since the sixties. That'll be big for the owners. Um, mm. City won't take it seriously. Newcastle can beat City in an off game as well. They drew three all of them, didn't they? In the week uh, start of the season, they were winning three one. I think I think Newcastle can win that. 
Um, Southampton, Lincoln, Charlton, Brighton, Man United, Burnley. I know it doesn't quite work like that, but possibly Burnley for us there. Uh, Nottingham Forest, Blackburn. Uh, I think that is that it. Uh, MK Dons, Leicester. Yeah, Wolves, Gillingham. Oh, most just, of the Premier League. Gillingham at home. Wolves, yeah, Gillingham at home. Like, imagine if we beat United and we got Gillingham at home and City are playing Liverpool. Honestly, I, it, it would be This ours. is why it's annoying, isn't yeah. it? And people say, oh, being doom and gloom merchants. But it's I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed, we've, I'm annoyed we've not got through to an easy draw in the cup, basically. Right. Positives. I said this is going to be relatively short. We've done 24 minutes on the negatives. We've said there's plenty of positives. I'm, to be honest, I'm trying to convince myself because I'm not even sure there is plenty of positives. But um, let's see Let's see where the rest of the podcast goes because you might be able to throw a few at me. Start with a pretty obvious one. Ollie Watkins finally scoring a goal. It is nice to see, and a nice goal as well. Really nice finish. I think the social post I did for it, I called it delicious. So I don't know why I was going with that, but it's just one of those guys who went, oh, yeah, really nice, really lovely. Um, confidence to, to dink it in, in that manner. Um, yeah, that's one positive for me uh, to start off. Ollie Watkins, nice finish. Uh, yeah, yeah, really nice finish. Uh, Watkins, whenever he goes through on goal, I don't think it's wrong to say that you don't, you're not 100% sold that he's going to score because he has missed a few one-on-ones previously. But he seems to be a striker that takes goals in sort of, you know, he scores like four in four games, doesn't he? And then goes on a little bit of a barren run. So mm. this is the start of something. Oh, to be fair, we've got the World Cup now. <laughs> One game. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to on Sunday, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, that's done my point. Uh, no, uh, yeah, he's obviously good for his confidence. He can take it in after the World Cup as well, obviously. Um, but he, he took it really well on his left foot, wasn't it? A nice little dink mm. uh, right in the corner. No, r- really good. Um Another, another positive would be Leon Bailey. I thought he was yeah. excellent. He had that little, that little, little jinxy run, yeah. yeah. And then he gives it to Watkins and that's my mm. thing about Watkins. He receives the ball and it's in that moment you want you want him to be deadly. Take on the play and take it on his left foot like he did in the first goal and it's a bad first touch. Um, but no, really good from Leon Bailey when he came on. He looks a different, he looks a different player, doesn't he, at the moment? Against yeah, United. I was going to ask you about him because I'm not quite sure how I feel about Leon Bailey because again we've we talked a lot about wingers being flaky and they have, they have good games they have bad games sometimes like they go and you know they appear anonymous and sometimes they they pull a bit of magic out of nowhere that's kind of their position that's that's what yeah. happens again Sam strikers to us to a certain extent but Bailey I've seen seen him play games where I think he's slow like he's lost this kind of electric pace that he's supposed to got we've made jokes about him having. Know, hamstrings made out of cheese strings or whatever it is he's had his injuries problems that we all know about but he was good in the Bundesliga he's come with pedigree yeah. I mean we've had like biscuit ankles and stuff I've seen all kinds of things um, but there's times where I thought he's slow and then other times you think oh my god no he has still got some pace he, he's pretty rapid or yeah. he'll have games where he's, his dribbling's poor he'll have some poor touches and then he'll have these nice little runs and flicks out of nowhere um, so I'm not quite sure how I feel about Leon Bailey. There is there is certainly a player in there, and I think he will be important to to Unai Emery's system going forward as well. Um, like I said, there's times where you just think, "Oh, what's Bailey playing for?" Like he's a passenger in this team. Whereas today he comes on and he's a game changer. Like we, the, the game mentality kind of changes once Bailey comes on, and he looks a serious threat. And you know, like we said plenty of times throughout this, on another day we're talking about Leon Bailey coming on and affecting the game to the point that we've won. Yeah, uh, that's Leon Bailey. He kind of has those games where he, he has two good games and he goes missing. But hopefully it's that consistency, isn't it? I think mm. we were saying a couple of weeks ago, weren't we, Dan? It's kind of gone under the radar, but uh, Leon Bailey isn't injured yet. But then I yeah. think the week after that, I think he, he missed had a game, didn't he? Yeah, he missed the game or he had an injury, so he didn't start. So it's about keeping himself fit. I think when we weren't seeing him, 
is best in terms of physicality. He probably just wasn't trusting his body. I think you said that in a few interviews. He trusts his body now. He feels in himself. Mm. Um, that's probably a big part of it. But then also with that is confidence. He needs to be confident on the pitch, and he's he's getting amongst goals, isn't he? Like I know he didn't score tonight, but I think he was it was his header. Was it his he- header? Mm. Yeah, that Dallow put in his own net. Uh, I, I put up a Bailey goal graphic and put own goal, but I don't care. It's kind yeah. of Bailey's Bailey's yeah. to take. Yeah. He's getting amongst the goals this season as well, and getting just around the box and being lively. And that's that you want him to be hurting a team there, mm. not necessarily out on the wing. You're doing flicks, but you want him to be direct. Um, and that's probably what Emery's going. Emery's going to be giving to his game. Uh, he played as a striker, didn't he? Didn't he? Sorry, against United last weekend, which re- uh, worked really well with Ramsey, kind of coming in off that right side. Good little combination. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out throughout the season. I wonder if he'll be using him and Watkins almost as a two. I know we played Ings tonight, but Ings didn't he didn't really have a touch, did he? Yeah. And touches in the first half or something, the lowest. Um didn't quite fit into that system. I know Emery plays with different different ways, but um no Bailey's looking really sharp, really good at the moment. You just want to see more of it kind of game after game after game, because I'm with you. You you can't quite say you've seen it until it's all happened. He's you kind of feel like he's an injury away from going back to square one. Um, but no, hopefully that's the start of kind of start of his career, I suppose, at Villa under Emery, mm-hmm. hopefully. Um, another positive I can think of, well, and this probably doesn't, doesn't even last the 90 minutes. Um, I thought the away fans sounded excellent. I know it's a bigger allocation for a cup game. I think it was like yeah. 7,000 opposed to the normal two or three of, of an away day. Obviously, that's going to make a difference, but they sounded very good all, all the way through up until probably the, the end of the game, which is fair enough. Um, but yeah, another positive for me again, that's probably quite a minor one given the context of the game. I said I was reaching a little bit. Watkins and Bailey, yes, I understand, but the Villa fans away sounded pretty good as well. That's a positive yeah, for me. Yeah. No, they were very good. There, there was a funny moment when um, I think United went four up and there were, I said, there was some empty seats at United end, which was a shock. Um, and they were singing something like "You're not singing anymore" or something. And then I think we had about three or four chants lined up. <laughs> like you know, there's comebacks almost. And yeah, it was embarrassing. No, but no, yeah, fans come 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 through the TV really good. Um, yeah, credit to the club as always, and yeah, really good allocation. And that's that's another thing that we missed from the Carabao Cup. Now stop being, so stop being so negative, Jordan. Stop being so negative. Right, I can't get over it. We're out the cup. <laughs> it's just sad. But no, yeah, move on to Brighton. That's all we can do now. Well, just speaking about the fans quickly, my my other yeah. half was sitting in here while I was watching the game and she was doing something else while it was on. And it, it wasn't on very loud and she didn't know anything about football, really. Well, she did say at one point, bring back Emmy Martinez. And I thought, <laughs> how? How do you know? She's like, Emiliano Martinez, isn't it? I was like, what the hell? How do you even know? Yeah. I was like, yes, bring him back, though. Um, there was a chant that LA was going out and... Um, yeah, it's just on in the background, and she said, "What's what? Who, what, who are they singing about?" And I said, "Oh, it's Alay Alay Alay." And she just went, "Who's Elaine?" <laughs> oh, done well, the Martinez thing, and then you kind of ruined it with "Who's Elaine." I just said, oh, just "Forget it; doesn't matter." <laughs> um, yeah, minor highlight for me, for me there for my my personal life. Um, there was also another point. I don't know why I'm making calling this out to be honest. She thought uh, it was Leon Bayleaf instead of Bailey again. <laughs> Poor. Good for Martinez, poor for the rest. Um, that's it for my list of positives. So we were saying, like, let's turn our attention to positive and see how many we can do. I've thought of three, and one of those is the fans. Is there anything else that you agree with as a positive? Uh, positive, I say again, I think Kamara. Kamara being back, yeah. You know he's a good player, but just having him back and everything's just played at his own pace. He's so 
I don't know what to say. He's just so patient. Every, it, it's all on his terms. Like I think there was a moment in the first half, I think it was. Or was it the second half, actually? He's pressured by two players. And you're thinking, oh, no. He just does like a little you know, a little, little pirouette and then he's out and he can play the ball. And all of a sudden, we've beaten the trap and we're you know into the final third. I think there was one moment he got caught out, as I said earlier. Uh, but I think that's fatigue. He hasn't played 70 minutes for like, what, since September? So, but just having him back makes a massive difference for me. I think he's a top player. He was the best player on the pitch, I think, for an hour. Um, he bossed it for me. So, yeah, that's one positive. Another positive would be just be after the new year as well. Carlos coming back just in terms of the injuries and, you know. Um, but no, in terms of the game, I think I we can't. Say, that's scraping it for an episode about Man United that Carlos is back in the, no, 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 in the new year. Yeah, no, just, just in terms of having Kamara back. But we know we've also got a very good player coming back as well. Yeah. Um, no, I think we've touched on most of the positives. Again, Having an identity, I thought we set up really well in the first half, having that four in midfield and then the two strikes. what we were doing at least, yeah. Exactly that, yeah. yeah. And we were good. Like, it wasn't our game plan to go, you know, at them. I think if we went at them in the first half, what would have happened is we would have lost the game. It would have been 6-3 because it happened to be 4-2 because we went at them in the second, you know. To, to say we were boring was just um, a bit stupid from the pundits because that was just the game plan. We're not going to go to United, are we? And throw everything at them because what will come back is four goals as it happened. Mm. Um so, no, yeah, there was positives and we know where we're going under Emery. We're not going backwards, that's for sure. Uh, it's yeah, plenty to look forward to, but in terms of tonight, just, yeah, frustrated that we've been dumped out of the cup and it's our own fault. I was going to ask you at the start, I actually thought about doing this as its own separate podcast, but I don't think we're going to have time now between I mean, it's the Villa, uh, Villa View, Slip of the Tongue, it's currently live next Friday, so we won't have yeah. much time to do big kind of flashy podcasts between now and then anyway. But I thought an episode about like what will Unai Emery have learned in his two games in charge or three games in charge if we did it next week and um, I'm not sure we'll have time for that so I'll ask you quickly now what will he have learned from tonight obviously yeah, we win on, on Sunday and it's, it's a nice performance and he will have taken things from that of course but tonight a defeat how, how the players will react to that what he's learned from the players that came in so like McGinn for example coming in and, and taking the captaincy from the start what do you think he'll have taken away from tonight's performance? Uh, not to kind of kill the question, but I think it's more of just the same of what he already knew before. Like uh, the first thing that he said in his press conference was these players are underperforming and the away form is really poor and that has to be better. And that's everything that happened today, wasn't it? We were confident for a fair proportion of the second half, but then we collapsed. That's everything that he knew previously. So it kind of just reinforced of reinforced what he knows he has to do over the course of the next you know couple of months because it's almost a shame that we have that break because I don't know how we're going to sort that we can't sort that away from out, can we? Without playing a game, put it that way. So the proof's got to be in the pudding. We could win Sunday. Yeah, that, that's the only way that we can do it between now and whenever we play the next away game after that will be, what, I don't know. It'll be 23 today because we're at home on Boxing Day. Yeah, and home to Wolves, aren't we? Home to Leeds. Forget who the away game is. Spurs away. Away. Spurs away on January 6th. Yeah, it's, like that. it's Spurs away, yeah, which isn't, yeah. I mean, Spurs aren't brilliant, but again, it's a long way away now. Um, no, he's got plenty that he already knew about I don't I don't think much would have he would have learned too much. If anything, he's probably learned a few positives. Again, we've played with the same similar style and we have competed well. Again, we're playing United who could get the top four this season and we're nowhere near that. So yeah. Beating three one and then go to the place and we should have won and we've only lost because of individual mistakes. There's positives to take out of that. So mm-hmm. what he would have learned is obviously we, we don't have uh, the strength and depth to compete. You know, in, on all fronts, because for me, as I said, I don't think Augustinson played very well. Although obviously, Olsen didn't have his best game, and Chambers didn't look great. And that's what four of the changes that he made in the defence, I think it was. Mm. 
yeah, someone said in the first uh, comments there, he's learned who his first team is. There you go. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> like, he knows who his best 11 is probably now. And, and he's probably thinking, if I've got to make changes long term, say if there's an injury to Luca Dean for, oh yeah, we've already seen it this season, if there's another injury to Luca Dean for a long period of time, I probably can't rely on Augustinson. Yeah. If there's an injury to Martinez, I probably can't rely on Robin Olsen to play more than. I mean, more than one game. I've seen a lot of comments saying stuff like, I hope we never see him play again. My dad actually texted me during the game saying, I hope he never plays for us again. Which is probably a little bit extreme because he will play for us again at some point. Um, but yeah, it's something that can't be fixed ASAP. But he's now, if he didn't know already, I think Emery knows that he needs yeah. another five, six, seven players to bolster this squad out with, with more quality because once you get past probably five, six, seven players that are nailed on to start. After that, you're looking at it going, we need we need more strength here. Um, I think that's pretty much it for the Villa Man United chat. So if you uh, don't want to hear any other bits, you can tune out now. We'll talk about O'Neill in a sec. Obviously, it's currently live next Friday, uh, the 18th of November. There is four or five tickets available left. We had a couple of cancellations. Um, if you are one of those people that now cannot make it, don't feel bad. It's absolutely fine. Just send us a message, a DM, an email, anything like that, and just say, I can't make it. And we'll try and redistribute your ticket to somebody else. There will be a link in the description of this YouTube video. Uh, if you want to go and grab some tickets, I think there's maybe five at most left now. Um, so, yeah, thanks everyone who's coming so far. We'll do a bit of a planning meeting for that at some point, by the way, John, because we need to kind of get our ducks in order for what we're going to talk about. But it probably will be, you know, what's Emory learned since first two games so far and a bit of a QA and and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, there will be a link below for that. So go and check that out. Um, should we talk about Martin O'Neill very briefly? Yeah, go on. Did you uh, have you seen it yet? Have you seen the Martin O'Neill podcast? Or are you saving I've, it? I've only seen half of it. Half of it. Okay. What do you think so far? It's very good. Yeah, you, you and Matt have done a really good job. It's very insightful as well. It's stuff that I haven't yeah. seen before. I know he's done a couple of interviews uh, on print a few times, but it, it's, it's different in print as well. I always feel like you want to see the video. You want to see him actually talk about it. Mm. And the way he's, he's quite emotional with it as well, which I really like. He kind of he was really expressive in how he spoke about Villa uh, and his and where he wanted wanted the side the club to be and where where it didn't get to <laughs> under him. Um, mm. No, really good, really good watch. He's always he's always he's kind of danced around it a few times in in other press conferences and stuff. There's a, yeah. a clip when he was at Sunderland and he kind of said, you know, I'm in Villa's history now. I had a good time there. It didn't end well, but that's kind of it, and that's it. And you don't really yeah. get much more detail than that. I think me and Matt are going to do a kind of little. 15 minute chat about it at some point next week to kind of talk about the behind the scenes of it and what it's actually like to be in the room and kind of the, a bit of context to it. Matt actually wrote an article about it, which again I'll plug in the comments down below. Um, again, a bit of a bit more context to, to the discussion because people that will have watched the podcast for a long time will know that O'Neill and Matt Cody didn't really get on when O'Neill was manager. So we thought that O'Neill was an unobtainable guest. He'll, he'll never come and do the show. And if he does, yeah. Matt Kendrick won't be asking the questions because <laughs> they, they basically can't stand each other. So there's a little bit of context of how it actually came about. Obviously, he's selling a book. You know, somebody, there's a lot of tweets saying like, well, you've only got him because he's got a book to flog. So well, yeah, that's PR. That's like media. That's how these things work. Like we scratch your back, you scratch ours, you come and do our podcast, we'll promote yeah. your book. Like that's, that's how these things work. And you know, if he's not got a book out, we don't get a 30 minute interview with him about his time at Aston Villa. So it's kind of, that's the trade off. Um, I've got a clip, a little trailer that I'm going to play now. So if anyone hasn't watched it yet, here's a taste of what you can get. And again, I'll link the full episode down below. So I'll stick this trailer on and we'll come back in just a second. The book that I want to emerge is Martin O'Neill's memoirs. Oh, I'd love uh, to get him on a podcast. But it's not going to happen. With I don't think it will happen, mate. Martin Nidash to work stuff.
Yeah, still does it still? Oh, okay. Of course. Of course it does. Me too. <laughs> Absolutely. It really rankles with me because it's a sending off offence. It's the rule of the game. I was desperately wanting Aston Villa to get into the to the Champions League, which is what I thought that all the Villa fans would want it. This was the last 32 of a competition. We're playing a lot of games that season. If leaving at the football club taints everything about it, there is absolutely nothing I could do about it. Would I change? Would I do I do it differently? Absolutely. There's the very dramatic trial of got to go the last time for O'Neill and Kendrick. It's kind of face off between two old enemies reuniting. Um, yeah, so the full version of that is available down below. I implore you to go and watch it because I think it is a kind of uh, a must watch, I would say, without being biased about our own content. I think it is very good. Um, it's not quite as good as I would like to be, like it to be. And that's me being a bit of a perfectionist. And again, we'll probably talk about this next week. Um, but Martin O'Neill's never done a Villa podcast before. He might not ever do another Villa podcast again. Like the guy's 70, he's selling a book, he's doing the rounds. I think he's doing Ben Foster's podcast. Um, but as far as I was told, there's no kind of um, other podcast in the pipeline at, at the moment. So as much as he might not have gone into the detail that we would all have hoped for in terms of, I mean, he's got NDAs and there was the dismissal and kind of those kind of things. So he can't physically go into everything in pure detail. He's not going to go, oh, this happened and this happened and he said this and she said that. Um, but he said more about his time at Aston Villa and the way he left than he ever has before. Obviously, he's got he's got the book out, so you can go and buy the book as well if, if you want. Um, I've seen the Villa chapter in the book. Uh, I think I think he said more in the podcast than he said in the book. Um, not to say don't buy the book, <laughs> because buy the book, it's very good. There's obviously a lot of stuff about your time at Nottingham Forest and when the, the, the Europe, um, European Cup, et cetera, et cetera. But the podcast is a in more in-depth version in the Villa chapter in the book let's put it that way um, so this 45 40 minutes something like that of Martin O'Neill like I said I will link it down below me and Matt Kendrick will do a bit of a, a wider discussion on it next week of why we think it's good but maybe not necessarily great we would have liked more time I think it's my biggest takeaway I would have liked more time because there's a few things that I wanted to ask but we didn't have time for and that was kind of out of our hands but from the reaction I've seen to it so far people are saying it's like almost like therapeutic and they've now got like closure on the way O'Neill yeah, left yeah. and it's strange, really, because I didn't. I didn't really feel like that. Being when I was watching it back, I didn't feel like there was closure. But maybe that's because I filmed it. I knew that we wanted to ask more, and we ran out of time. Possibly so for me, I didn't get like the full kind of. You've scoop. literally got unanswered questions. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because we, yeah, because we've written them. There's a piece of paper yeah, yeah. with more questions on that weren't, uh, that weren't <laughs> <Don't> answered. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. everything we asked him in the video, he answered very well. He was he was honest. He said a few times before we started, and, and I think he said it during the, the show at one point, like Matt said something like, oh, I don't want to rake up too much. And he was like, no, go for it. Say, start, say what you want. And he said before we started, like nothing's off, off limit kind of thing. So, um, yeah. That's it. Like I said, we'll talk about it in a bit more detail next week. Matt's kind of experience of it is what I want to go into. He was, he was nervous, to be fair to him, because I think the last time they uh, met, O'Neill stormed out of a press conference and said he was never going to take another question from Matt Kendrick again. So <laughs> to sit down face-to-face with him takes some um, 
yeah, gonads or whatever you want to call them. Um, so yeah, fair play to Matt. I know that he'll be watching this later. So yeah, congratulations, Matt, on a, on a great interview. Like I said, it's linked down below. That's enough waffle for me this evening. Uh, John, thank you very much for your time, as always. Um, I think Ash said that the pre-match presser for Brighton is being done tonight. So I don't think there's a press conference tomorrow, which means there won't no. be a pre-match preview tomorrow either. Uh, the next podcast we do will be post Brighton on Sunday afternoon. It might be you and me again, John, if you're available, by the way. Yeah. Um, so we'll see We'll see how, how it goes then. That gives you Friday, Saturday and Sunday morning to go and watch the O'Neill podcast and uh, and go and get involved in that. Um, can't be live. There's tickets for that down below. They're very limited. So be quick if you want one. And like I said, we'll be back Sunday afternoon with the post Brighton show. And thank you very much, everyone, for watching this podcast this evening. We appreciate your support as ever. And uh, yeah, we'll see you again someday. Cheers, everyone. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, up the villa. Up the villa.